0: No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to men. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. There is a way out, whoever you are this morning, whatever your heartbreak. God has not lost sight of you. The little blue dot that represents your life is still blinking on his GPS. At some point, by the promise of God, a door will swing open and God will say, come this way, come this way. He's going to get you free. Maybe you've been so disappointed and so defeated so long that you have forgotten this promise. Maybe you feel like it doesn't apply to you anymore, but it's still true. It, didn't. it came from God out of his great resources. Maybe this morning you don't need an escape. You just need a way forward. You know that you're stuck. You're just stuck where you are. You, you know you're not doing what God made you to do. You know you're not being what God made you to be. There's no real fruit in your life to speak of, no victory, no joy. There will be a door for you too, the Lord promises. It'll swing open. He'll say, come this way, come quickly. The Bible says that God causes all things to work together for good, all things. And all people who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So I don't know what the problem is in your life. I have a guest because we're all connected at the hip. We know each other that way. But do hard times come? Absolutely they do. Do times where our hearts break underneath the pressures? Yes. But if you are his child, so do the doors. And that's the one thing you know is the door will come and he'll say, this is me now, come. Two weeks from today, in, that evening, we'll gather for the third lecture of the eight-story Bible. The Bible, as we've come to know, is this grand, noble narrative. It's just this remarkable story of a great God and His love for the world. His, he made men like Himself and capable of friendship with Him. And sin robbed us of that privilege, and now He's restored it through His Son. Well, that long story can be put together in eight parts and each of those eight parts has little individual stories in them, testimonies of real people just like us who in their encounter with God found freedom. And they'll use a lot of different words to say it, but it will all be the same story. In my encounter with God, He got me free. He set me free. He put me on a path that was not mine before. So in all the Bible... In all the Bible, there's no sweeter part, version of that story than Hannah. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll read this story together, parts of it. If you're new to First Baptist, you didn't get one of these, so you don't know what we're doing. Raise your hand. One of our members is going to give you their copy today. Anybody need one of these? The text that we'll read is printed at the top. But then we'll be seated and we'll find First Samuel in our own Bibles, all together. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Okay, Be seated and find a Bible and turn to 1 Samuel, please, chapter 1. She was an unhappy woman. Uh, She was ashamed. She felt like God had abandoned her. She was defeated, embarrassed to be out in public because she had no child of her own. She felt like a failure, and she lived in a miserable marriage. It was miserable because her husband had married two wives in contradiction of the Genesis wisdom. And I know, I know, so did Abraham, but it didn't help Abraham any more than it helped Elkanah. You don't break God's laws. They break you. Sooner or later, the only freedom you really have is to choose against them and prove by your own experiences they really were true. You don't break these laws; you finally return home to them. So Hannah was miserable. And look at verse seven in today's reading. Year after year, she was miserable. Some days better were better than others, certainly, but nothing was ever right. Nor can it ever be right until you return back to the foundation of God and put your life squarely on His rock. Life never can be right again. So one day at a breaking point, Hannah goes to the tabernacle and she begins to pray. It's a different kind of prayer. I, I am certain in my own heart she'd prayed about this a thousand times, but not this way. Sometimes to change where I am, God has to change who I am. And the interior adjustments are the painful ones and the ones we are least likely to make. This day, Hannah was willing to walk down a road that Jesus himself says fairly narrow, and the gate's pretty tight. And most people are not willing to do this. You can say, as I'm glad we do, that thousands of people have come to Christ, but the law still stands. Not very many of them are going to walk this road. Not very many of them are going to do what Jesus said to do with our lives. So anyway, she goes this that day and she is so broken, she is ready to pay any price. She, she is ready. And the first price she pays is pride. Verse 15 says she poured out her soul to the Lord. Now imagine that. What used to be here in me in structure and defense and strength is now poured out before the Lord, and I am empty. There's no more struggle for control. There's no more secrets. It's all up on the table. It's all laid out there for God to see and to judge. For many of us, prayer is usually a strategy to feel better. That's how it's been proposed in this generation you, you pray about this, you'll feel better. But this isn't that kind of prayer. As a matter of fact, peace will come later, but this prayer breaks your heart. This prayer hurts. Um, you actually feel worse in this process. You're like Jesus in Gethsemane. You're weeping out your tears before the Lord. Um, you have been full of yourself. You have been full of criticism or Shame or blame or fears. And maybe you come to realize then that it was God all along. It was God. I think that happened to her. I think she was kneeling there and it dawned on her that Penina was not her problem. Neither was Elkanah. She'd been derailed for years blaming them for how miserable she was. And the Lord said to her, no, sweetie, it's me. It's me. And so she traveled down that road. Second part of the price of this real prayer is your pride and then the pain. You don't run from that. You stay there. You stay there because, quite frankly, you don't have anywhere else to go at this point. And part of the price is patience. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes prayer is not a moment. It's a process that where you walk with God. You really talk with Him. You really listen to him. It's him you really want. So in verse 12, it says, and she continued praying. Like Jesus in the garden, or like Peter in the garden, only the opposite illustration. She stayed on her knees that day, essentially saying, I don't have anywhere else to go now. This bitterness, this fear, Is killing me, this sense of shame. I have to have you, and I'm going to stay here until we've talked. Do I think that everyone who pays the price of prayer gets a miracle? Yes. Do I think that everybody who pays the price of praying gets the miracle they want? No. What you do get is that gradually your heart will shift toward God, and He was what you needed all along. What you will get is finally all the structures that have been killing you of pride and fear and avoidance and control will finally be laid out there on the table and what you will have will be Him. Gradually or in an instant, I don't know, Hannah began to pray in a very new way. I don't think it had ever occurred to her to pray this way of seeing her situation from the perspective of God, God's purpose. Like Jesus taught us to pray, it's your kingdom, it's your will, it's your glory. And we tend to pray, this is my my life, this is my family, this is my heart that's broken, this is my need. And after a while that gets a little old. Because the real prayer always comes from a different perspective. It talks about God and His purposes. So look at verse 11. She begins to say... Sir, if you will give me a son, I'll give him back to you. What? She's not going to have a baby after all. Not, not in a Hallmark card sort of a way. She, there's not going to be any Mother's Days at her house or happy little chapters of him going to school. She gets it. She begins to say, Oh, this was about you from start to finish. That may sound like a bargain to you, but it doesn't to me. It, it sounds like a door opening where a woman's about to walk through it and never see her world in the same way again, ever. She would never see the world in the, through the same lens. It would now be a different narrative of a great God who made you for a purpose, called you to himself, and provided what you need, albeit the pain that you would have to go through. But he's provided what you need, and she began to pray that way. Who is God this morning? Who is He and what's He doing? How is your life intended to be a part of that grand story? I saw this week a heartbreaking video on Facebook. It was a mom whose son was autistic. She says on this video, I'm not a religious person, but at some point I I did begin to pray. I tried to pray and I begged God to do something about my son. And then she said, but that doesn't work. It doesn't, she said. It was sad to me because I wonder, I think that what she means by work and what we mean by work are not the same thing. That what God's been after your whole heart, a whole life, everybody's your heart. He's never had but one thing he wanted from you and that was you. And he would use anything, pain or joy or triumph or defeat, he will use anything to get you to come talk to him at that level. Eli thought she was drunk. That's sad to me. Maybe he'd seen so many other people use religion for that purpose that there are probably a lot of drunk people at those religious festivals. There are a lot of people in our day who use God on the narrative of their own happiness. It's really still about me. I'm just using God to see if He can make me happy. Drinking too much is just one version of that. But Hannah said, that's not me. Maybe it was me, but it's not. Um, I'm praying a different way here today. And So a strange thing happened that day um, as she began to see her life through the perspective of a great God And his purposes. She began to say, if I can have you, I'll bear any pain I need to. If I can have you, I will do what you want me to do. A peace came over her that the New Testament will call peace that passes all understanding. It's just, it's supernatural is what it is. Look at verse 18. Eli said, go in peace. May God grant you your petition. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. She went her way and she ate and her face was no longer sad. She didn't have a baby yet, but she had peace that was deeper than any circumstances. In this, she's very much like the Lord who got up off his knees in Gethsemane and he rubbed his neck one last time. and He he looked at Peter still sleeping and he said, guys, guys, you need to get up because here they come. And the rest of that night and morning, he was effused with supernatural peace that it was all going to be okay. That you can hit him with anything now, and the peace of God is is superior to it. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, says Isaiah 26. The prophet knew this. He knew that finally when the human heart can be convinced not to go 13 places, but just go one. When you don't have a lot of priorities, you just have one. When you don't have a lot of love affairs, you just have one. Then the heart can finally rest. And when the baby did come, when he did come, Hannah didn't want to talk about the baby. She names him uh, Shema in in the Hebrew is the word here. Deuteronomy, hero, Israel, Shema, the, the Lord our God is one. And El is the Hebrew word for God. And so she named him Shemael, Samuel, God hears. The rest of her life, that's all she wanted to tell you. She was here today. That's what she wanted to tell you. She was going to say, Do you see? Do you see? The God you're dealing with hears you. It's not like he's lost track of you. It's not like prayer just doesn't work for you. Sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it costs more, but it's not that it doesn't work. He does hear you and he is watching. Chapter 2, I hope you'll go home and read it. It's her praise to God. And you guys, there's not a word in there about her baby. (laughs) Not a word that sounds like Mother's Day. It is about God and how this God hears you if you will meet the conditions. Eventually, this powerful moment became a lesson for all of Israel. Um, and what he's offering us this morning, by the way. See, Hannah was barren, and she was defeated, but so was the nation of Israel at this time. They're coming out of the time of judges. They are in complete disarray. And through this son who had learned from this mother the power of prayer, of learning God's will and walking in that path, the whole nation began to turn around. Uh, it, It was profound, the life of one man. But we never forget it was really the life of one woman who taught that one man how to pray. And the rest of his life, he's just sort of deepening the insight she gave him. Years later, Jesus is still making this offer. Now, can you dilute religion down to some sort of acceptable level and call it real? Yes. Will there be any power in it? No. Can you make religion what you want it to be and think that somehow you'll be safe? Yes. But will there be any strength or joy or victory? No. So um, years later, Jesus says to Jerusalem, this same group of people he's working with, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Your hearts are so far away from God. That's the translation. How often I've wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks. But you just weren't willing. You just, you did not want to do it that way. What if everybody this morning, the protection that you have craved from God is contained in the experience that we call prayer? What if all along he's been offering you that strength? But you had to meet the conditions that he said to you. You have to come to him. Call to me. I'll show you great and mighty things you don't know anything about. Uh, What if the lostness of this present culture could be explained not by the lostness of the culture, but by the lack of prayer in the church? That we are the ones who forgot the power that he gave us. We are the ones who forgot how to call out to him until fire comes from heaven and converts a world that's lost. Is that a change in the way we're living? Absolutely. Will we have to make huge sacrifices to access this promise? Absolutely. But he knew that all along when he said, now watch, You just watch this broken woman go to her knees and when she stands up, she's not the same ever again and neither will you be. Let's pray together. Jesus used to say to the disciples, I'm, the, I'm that door now. you looking for a way forward? It is me. Uh, I not only will give it to you, I am that door. Come join your life to me. Full surrender. And a door will swing open and he'll say, come this way. This is me into a life of holiness, into a life of service, into a life of purpose. Lord, we know that you are here today. We, we know, we sense your spirit. We thank you so much. Why would you care after all these years? Why would you come again in glory and power to convert men and women and call them into service? It must have something to do with your long purposes that are, have never changed. You would have a people for yourself that you would honor people who came to you in that way. So come convict and guide. We will follow in your name. Your heads are still bowed.